Greetings. Welcome to Space Court. We invite you to join us as Chile and Vili share their views about hitchhiking. Convenience is king, right? And you take it away is. these conveniences and it does create a whole different world, which I think might be a nice segue into this next segment, which is hitchhiking, one of the most inconvenient ways to travel this day and age. Space cord, space cord. We would like to introduce you to Vili. Cancer Sun. Cancer Moon. Gemini Rising. So I think what ended up being a, I think, 10-hour travel day for me could have been a three-hour drive for the normal person, maybe a 2.5-hour drive. But, you know, you're committed to your mission. Well, and I mean, that's kind of what I want this episode to be about. You know, you can be my voice of the other, the other being what I believe to be the 94% of the population Yes. Does not hitchhike, does not pick up hitchhikers and has zero interest in that entire mode of transport, right? I can do that. We would like to introduce you to Chile. Gemini Sun. Scorpio Moon. Capricorn Rising. I can provide that side. And I mean, if it's a mission that I'm in, I don't know. I I don't want to waste my time anymore, you know? And I think if it is, in fact, my mission, I have to change up my habits surrounding. um, You sure about that? I am. Because that's the only way that I can reach you guys, the 94%. If I continue with the thumb and the north sign, you're not going to have more interest in hitchhiking or hitchhiking. I heard your episode about hitchhiking and how you thought you needed a different an approach and I'm telling you if I see somebody with a sign with a bunch of sunshine and I'm like oh, I'm not picking your ass up really sunshine absolutely absolutely that's somebody trying to get me onto an idea my biggest fear is that somebody would get in my car and try to sell me something or on their religion or like on their vision or their ideology and like that's my biggest fear about hitchhiking you're talking this sounds a lot like squirrel and jennifer i I was I was hitchhiking. What are you so, so squirrel and Jennifer. I'm gonna just do a, a quick recap. Squirrel I did and not expect you to say that. <laughs> so that's the last thing I expected you to well, say. Well, let me refresh your memory. I think you might you might get back on board as soon as you hear this. So I was hitchhiking out of Tahoe. This is that extensively long day that we were just referencing from Lake Tahoe South. And my second ride is Squirrel and Jennifer. And they're in a VW van and they're going maybe 30 minutes. I get in the van with them and they're like, oh yeah, there's a lot of PCT hikers around here and we love picking them up and we love helping them and they're really cool. But then when it's off season, like now, there's a lot of weirdos out there hitchhiking and we're nervous about that. So I was like, I think I'm one of the good weirdos, you know, we're, we're kind of having that banter. And they're like, you know, it's interesting though. We're not afraid of picking up a hitchhiker that's going to steal our stuff or murder us. We're terrified of the possibility that the hitchhiker that we pick up is an evangelist. And Absolutely. Us the tracks. So that's why and I say know, Squirrel and Jennifer. Because yeah. 
Okay, I am I'm remembering this combo now. <laughs> yes, I'm remembering. It makes me so nervous that somebody would get an evangelist of any kind, not just a Jesus evangelist, an yeah. evangelist of any philosophy, theory, mm-hmm. background. doTERRA oils, right? doTERRA oils, <laughs> yes, yes. Like I heard you saying, like you up in your game. You equate that to like having a more special sign that references and glitters up your ideology. And mm-hmm. to me, that's like I guess it's you being more honest, but. I would rather that happen in a conversation in the car. I think it'd be more natural. This is good information. The wheels in my brain are now turning in a different direction. What if it, it was a sign <laughs> that said, <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> let me be your first time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? No sunshine. You know what this reminded me of? What? When you said you wanted to talk about hitchhiking, I wrote down some thoughts on this. Okay. And how, because it's not something I would do. Right. However, I find your mission commendable and I'm jealous of your experiences. Okay. And um, I am still not willing to do it. But you know what came to mind? One time this guy told me, you know, every guy who gets on a plane hopes some girl will wink at him and say, meet me in the bathroom and that he'll join the mile high club that day. I think more than one guy has confessed. Are they confessing this to you while you're on the plane and sitting next to them? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) Hey girl. Oh, that'd be even better. One of my thoughts I wrote down was like, you know, every, like pretty much every guy who might pick you up is hoping that that's the day that they're going to pick up a girl on the road and like maybe get with them, you know? And like that thought in the middle of us, Mm -hmm. if I was to hitchhike, like that thing in the middle of us is Mm -hmm. such an elephant in the room to Mm -hmm. me or in the car to me Mm -hmm. that I'm just, I would be so awkward and uncomfortable because I know that like that's, that's like a hope. So when you said, like, let me be your first time, <laughs> you know, you're going to get people pulling over to the side of the road. Well, and that's where I would do the clarifying. Like, so they stop. Okay. Let's say it's a man. Okay. Or I just want to be clear. Because you're only going to get men. Well, hold on. I was going to do the scenario with men and then the scenario with women. You know, okay. my first inquiry with them would be, is this the first time you're picking up a hitchhiker? If they say yes, then I'd say, where are you going? <laughs> If they said no, they've picked up before. I was like, ah, I'm trying to get people to hitchhike and pick up hitchhikers. You're already part of that community. You're that 6%. I'm trying to reach the percent. Uh, and you believe these people are honest when they tell you. Well, answers. okay. So about the elephant. I mean, I've hitchhiked thousands of miles in many different countries. And from that, I would say the elephant is uh, visible in an energetic sense, visible in a feeling sense. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, 40% of the time. How often are you picked up by men? I would say it's a good 82%. I feel right. I feel, I feel very good about 82%. Okay. That's so understandable. The, I, so the invisible elephant could be more. Like I could not be feeling that, you know, like I may not be sensitive enough or that just may not bother me, you know, the potential of the invisible elephant. But what I actually experience is 40% where I feel like I need to diffuse any hopes that are presented before me. How do you do that? How do you diffuse that energy? How do you shut that down? Mm -hmm. You know, how are, what are your tactics? Do you say weird things? I think what I'm generally doing is I'm trying to create more of a trust space, right? So the second that I get into someone's car, a trust space is established. How? 
because this person is picking me up and allowing me in their car. Okay. I'm trusting, you have to imagine it as a Venn diagram, right? We've now trusted each other, but how big is that middle part, right? Because their trust circle could be like, oh, this person's not going to kill me. Whereas mine is like, I'm not going to be harmed, threatened. You're saying you're going to go where you're going to go. You know, like I feel like on my end, the vulnerability is greater than the person that's driving the car. We've now trusted each other. I want the trust to go deeper where you're not going to take this elephant that may exist in the space in between us and push it on me or put it on Mm -hmm. me in a way that makes me want to get out of the car. The way that I build trust with people is I inquire about family. Like, do you have family here? Where do you live? You know, like I want to know about making that web of connection and kind of bringing it to a space that's close, right? Okay. And then through that, I also go into philosophy of like why I hitchhike. And sounds to me like you own that space. It sounds to me like you go in, you own it, you assert yourself. Yes right away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I make my boundaries very clear. And I'm getting a vision of how you handle this, which is, like I said, you go in, you own your space. You're not shy about that space. Mm -hmm. You claim the space. Mm -hmm. You initiate the conversation. You Mm -hmm. humanize yourself. You Mm -hmm. humanize them. I didn't consider that that was the terminology of what I was doing, but in fact it is. It's no longer objectifying, right? Mm -hmm. This fantasy. It's realizing it. It's humanizing it. And it's spelling out as clearly as possible the realities, you know. And I do. I also come from a gratitude space. So there's this element of depths of trust that I'm trying to establish. And then I'm also trying to commend the person. Like, hey, we're, we're tag teaming in like the betterment of humanity. This is a good thing. Even if I'm in the car with a serial killer, I feel like there is this element of relating that I get to where wow. I don't have wow. the fear. My God, I would just, I feel like if I was in the car with a serial killer, I know they would kill me. You know, I feel like it's probably my energy, you know, Mm. like I think I would. Right. You'd go down that space. I mean, I think I, I think I'd go in that space. I'd become meek. I'd be like a lamb. I think the way you're approaching this, even a serial killer would be like, not this bitch. It's also interesting. Like, I really do take on this, like, confession booth role. And I think it it makes sense. They're not going to see you again. They can tell you anything. It's true. There's that element. And again, I think it has to do with the trust space, too. People trust me pretty quickly. And I think they also recognize the integrity of my word. When I say something, I do mean that. And there's no edges of curiosity or wonderment about whether or not I'm going to budge on that, you know? So yeah, this is interesting. I mean, as we're talking about like asserting myself and claiming my space and communicating those things, when I'm in a foreign country, I can't communicate those things. I'm getting in the car with an energy and here we go, you know? Do you have little signs or what? How are you doing? I'll generally have like Google screenshots of the direction I'm going and then why I hitchhike. Like I kind of have this little spiel, you know? And I try and show that to people. Otherwise, I'm just, you know, I've learned how to say stop, you know, like in whatever country or language it is. I've learned how to say, like, let me out. Uh, Have you needed to do that? Have you ever needed that yet or no? Mm -mm. And at that point, why am I hitching in other countries? For me, it's this trust beyond myself and others. Like I'm actually trusting in this crossing that's happening. Man, I, I'll be honest, and I'm, I'm sure I probably fall into the, the norm with this feeling. I think there might be nothing like scarier to me. Even though I like freedom, I like meeting random people. My favorite thing about 
traveling is meeting strangers and being really surprised by those conversations and what I learned Mm. and feeling like a big unity. Mm -hmm. It's just the idea of it being in a car. I view cars as like a potentially very claustrophobic space where I'm, I'm shut in and simultaneously like my freest place. Like I'm a driver. I love to drive. I don't, I don't ever go on vacation really until I have enough money to also be able to rent a car there. Mm-hmm. But the idea of being stuck in a car with somebody is like, it just sounds very claustrophobic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's control stuff. Like you can't. Too yeah, many it's, uncontrollables. It's the conversation being the primary worry. I mean, the odds, obviously, because people hitchhike all the time. And how, how I don't many think stores? they do. I don't think people well, do but, hitchhike all but the they time. Have, but they have throughout history. And how many times have you heard of somebody dying from being from hitchhiking? Like, how many stories have you heard of in the last oh, I th- decades? I think if you're in Australia or Canada, you probably hear it um, more regularly than other parts. Because that's the only places that I've actually personally heard someone else from those regions tell me, like, you don't do that in these regions. Like, it's notoriously known for that. that you know, things happen to people who do? Yeah. Really? Like when I, so when I hitchhike from Washington to Alaska, I'm going through B.C., and apparently there's one highway. I wasn't on that highway, but it's further west along the coast. And you get a decent amount of traffic of hitchhikers and you get moderate traffic of cars and it's pretty desolate. And there have been stories that come out of there. And if you do want to prey on bull, right. you rely on that area. Exactly. And that's the same thing with Australia, as I understand it. There's a certain region where it's desolate and there's no one, but yet you will still find... Maybe there's a hike nearby, so that's when you'll find like backpackers or something, you know. And I mean, in America, I know we definitely have stories of that as well, but I haven't personally come across. When I say that, I say it from the movie's perspective. Like I haven't actually right. talked to someone that's like, oh, you don't remember this story in 2007? You know, like right. in Canada, they were able to give me like dates and I still, again, was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure this is a possibility, but I'm still confident enough in my personal experience to not cultivate a fear of something that is a possibility. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to operate from hypothetical fear spaces. I mean, I get it. Like, it's totally an energetic thing. Like, I feel that too. Like, there has certainly been times, you know, as much as I can romanticize hitchhiking, there's definitely been times where I'm like, ugh, I just want to yeah. go to sleep. You know, most of right. the time, that's my thing. I just want to go to sleep. And if the person wants to talk, I also have this polite element that I have to work with where it's like, oh, but they're giving me this ride. Like I should still have the conversation, but I'm basically like exhausted and I can't (laughs) even keep my eyes open, but I can't ask for that rest, you know, because I have my own shit that I'm still working through, you know? Yeah. I have a choice to do something by myself or with a stranger that I don't even know, you know, for extended periods of time in a small space. Okay. I get it. You know, you are really rolling the die and it's probably not in your favor. And that's the assumption. And I think that that's a valid assumption. And I think that it's a valid experience, but I don't think it outweighs the positive experiences that I've had. But I think where I'm coming to a crossroads is if this is a lost cause and I just keep hitchhiking with, you know, people that are reciprocating the old hitchhiking Mm -hmm. story from the 60s and 70s, it's kind of, you know, am I beating a dead horse? In my dream world, it's not hitchhiking, it's just ride share. And it doesn't have to be for five hours, it's for five miles. And when I'm in Los Angeles, my heart aches that 
when I'm waiting for a bus, the public transportation, 90% of the cars have one person in them. Are you fucking kidding me? Why can't we share the ride? But that requires coordination. That requires, again, a, a number of elements and organization and structure. The reality of that happening now is taking away from the bus world and the money making. So the ideology and the principle that I hold to is this utopian world where we're sharing. We're sharing the ride. We're going the same way. I have space. Mm-hmm. You need to go there. I can share that. How can I take that macro concept of we share this planet, we share the oxygen, we share the water and bring it to a micro space, you know, and that's when I take hitchhiking as the micro space of like, oh, we're sharing the ride. It's a stretch and it does fuel me in these excursions that I take on as, oh, do I want to take a bus? Do I want to fly? Do I want to hitchhike? But hitchhiking is not a very prominent thing. I don't see a ton of hitchhikers. It's a dying quote unquote art. Well, obviously, we know there was an era where hitchhiking was normal and it was maybe part of the country, right? Mm-hmm. For a long time, mm-hmm. probably for a very long time before that. But I remember my grandma telling me that when she was little in Philadelphia during World War II blackout era, right, where you'd have to like black out your windows at night. In that era, you were supposed to pick up any army person anywhere you were in the country on the side of the road, you were supposed to pick them up. Mm. You know, it was like the rule. She was always so excited when she was little because she got to sit next to all these super cute boys. One time she had to sit on one of their laps and she was like, oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) She did like, remembers it forever. And that was like exciting and normal. And there was this level of trust. I would imagine that hitchhiking has been on a steady decline. Yeah. So what do you attribute to that? What do you think it was? Murder mysteries? I mean, I would look again as a micro macro thing, like look at the nuclear family at that time. There was probably a lot more sharing of time and space because there wasn't, you know, individual bedrooms for everyone. Like you were already sharing so much of your space. I think to extend it to a neighbor or a stranger wasn't a foreign concept. I think this day and age, you do have five cars per household and everybody has their own bedroom and everyone has their own schedule and everyone's on their own device. So the community has evolved into an online platform that's not face-to-face. I think sharing in general has become, you know, posting a picture and liking. It isn't uh, sharing I know. or sharing a ride. I know. A story. I so, absolutely. This is killing me. And it's not necessary anymore. You know, I think in the origin of hitchhiking, it wasn't about like, oh, I'm going to share the ride with everyone. It was, I don't have a car. I can't get into town for work. But the person that does have a car knows that that's a rare thing and is going to help out others that need it. Do you think that society, when we were kids and before, do you think there was a greater sense of responsibility to one another and that that's kind of fading or no? An example, like my mom's from Missouri, and the expectation was that any of those family members that came out to California from Missouri always stayed at their house Mm -hmm. for a long time, maybe Mm -hmm. for months while they transitioned. People were responsible for one another in that sense. And now it's like, you know, if you're going to go stay at somebody's house, there's like a shelf life on how long. It's different times. And I think it's it's not necessarily responsibility to each other, but it's that connection. 
you know, if you have a connection with someone in your community and you see them on the side of the road or you see them in the store, there's something that lends to engaging with them more or helping them more or sharing with them more. And that's a connection thing, you know? I don't know that it's a responsibility, but it's a connection. And I feel like with technology and with where we're at now, you see that lack of connection, that human connection. And as a result, what's happening is this entire new mutant that's forming. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's not the connection of human interaction. You know? Yeah, definitely so, not. It's so that, something else. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I talked to her. I know her. It's like, you don't really know her. You don't, you haven't really talked to her. <laughs> you might have interacted with her on some photos she posted or something, but mm-hmm. that's not knowing a person. And or it's a different knowing, you know, like diff- I, I, I don't, it? I think it's the evolution of how you know people now, you know, the knowing that we know as our generation, you and I is different than the knowing that your parents knew and your grandma, she knew the excitement of sitting on a soldier's lap because that was the time, you know what I mean? Like we don't know that kind of knowing and she could yeah. argue that our knowing is not knowing and it would be valid, but at the same time, it's a, it's an evolved knowing the way that I know you is definitely not the way that my niece and nephew are going to know their. I don't whatever. know if I would, I don't know if I would call it an evolved knowing i call it change or movement what's your definition of evolution maybe this is what we need to know i mean i guess i see evolution as something that is necessity and i i guess i i don't you know what i mean it's like it's it's necessity okay and so so when i see some of these things i don't see these as like necessity for survival some of them are good for survival right? We have this phone, we can get places exactly when we need to, where we need to by paying an Uber to pick us up. Like a lot of these things, they're conveniences, but I'm not sure I call conveniences evolution, like evolution based. I don't define evolution the same as you do. Like I don't see it as a necessity. I see it as a consequence of our choices as a collective. So Mm -hmm. as a consequence, the evolution reveals itself. So essentially it is a change. I don't, I don't clump necessity. So now that I understand your definition of evolution, I totally see where you're, you're coming from. And that makes sense. 94% of people you think are probably scared to ever hitchhike. Just zero interest. Zero interest. No interest in hitchhiking, no interest in picking up a hitchhiker. Fear can definitely be clumped into two categories, death and then metaphorical death, which is like, wouldn't you be dying if you were stuck in a car with the most annoying person in the world and they kept talking and annoying you and you were, you know what I mean? Like it's this fear of sharing your space with an unknown energy, right? People vibe with energies or they don't. Like I am, I think a unique and rare human in the sense that I can kind of adapt to energies. Like my tolerance is so high that it's really hard for me to get to a point of like, let me out of the car, you know, (laughs) like a really annoying situation. Like I won't be annoyed. How did you get there? This is amazing. This is where we'd have to look at my stars. <laughs> because I think it's a design that I had. And then as a result of my life choices, I think I've anchored. You really think it's the stars? I think that there are foundations. I think there are tools that are given, like different tools are given to different people. And yeah. along life, you either use the tools or you don't, or yeah. you refine your tools or you don't, or you get different tools or you don't. I think there's a lot of people that get certain tools and like immediately they're supposed to change them out. Like these are not the tools for their life. And they're mm. a lot of their life journey is finding different tools. Yeah. Like I feel like I've definitely found other tools, but I feel like my foundation of tools have been 
serving me very well and allowed me to get into spaces that like I, the one I'm describing, you know? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. You know, like your yeah. foundation of your basis. Yeah. I mean, we are working with, which can change. Exactly. There's a, there's a Latin phrase, you know, we are inclined by the stars, but we are not bound by them. I like this very much. I like this in everything very much. You know, this idea that there's this suggestion that you have, this pull that you have towards tendencies or habits, but that doesn't mean that you're bound by them. That doesn't mean that that's who you are and how you have to behave and act. I think I have the tendency to tolerate, (laughs) you know, to a point where (laughs) most people would not, for better or for worse. I'm saying there's also probably a lot of like people-pleasing elements within that, you know, like there are a lot of things again that I could work on that would probably serve me better than to tolerate an annoying person for three hours. But I think it's really impressive and everything is two sides to every coin. You know, it's the, you cannot like a quality, but that same quality is probably helping you win in one way, but the other side is side to work on. So, I mean, I guess from this conversation, which we've really touched on a lot of different topics, you know, are my hitchhiking days done? There's a part of me that's also like, I'm about to go to Texas. I have to go from Austin to Waco. Do I try out the sign? Let me be your first time. There's also a part of me that wonders that. So I'm, I'm seeking counsel and advice from you, Chili, as someone okay. that knows me, okay. as someone that knows okay. the 94%. Yes, I am. Who is of the 94%? I mean, I think that that's provocative and I commend it. Can we word it a little differently? Let what me about be your let first be- hitch? Hitchhike? Yes. Yes. Hitchhike? Yes. I, I do. I want to reach the 94%. And that's kind of where I'm at, like, oh, I probably won't ever reach them. But if this sign, let me be your first hitchhike, is the gateway, this could open up a whole new chapter for me. Yes, I agree. And I think whatever you decide to say, it just has to, you know, I I even just have like a little twinge of, if I saw that sign, I still might be a little worried that you're going to sell me your religion. Whatever you're going to write, it has to be that like easy step in. Okay. Where it's like, she's not going to sell me anything. She's not going to be too excited. She's not going to be too extroverted. <laughs> what sign would get you to stop and pick up a hitchhiker is really ooh, what I need to Oh, Because um, I mean, what ooh, I just thought of, ooh. what I just thought of when you said that was I would make a sign that says I'm deaf and need to go north. You know, just a straight up like, I can't. I talk. would pick you up. You would? <laughs> yes. Realistically, numbers, serial killers, very, 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 very low percentage of the population. Percentage yeah. of annoying people, way higher. Super high. So what sign is going to say, help me out. I need to get here. I'm not annoying. Right. And deaf people can't be annoying, right? <laughs> because they can't talk. <laughs> That's a great question. That's another episode. You know, we can't get you lying to get in the car, though. So we're going to have to think. I need you, though. Let, what, it, what gets I, to you? What sign? What are the I'm words? deathly afraid of <laughs> level 10 extroverts. They're, like, they're the scariest thing on earth to me. If you put on the sign, don't worry, I'm an INTP. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's funny, right? People know right, I have a, old enough. I'm an easygoing Myers-Briggs, you know? like. <laughs> don't worry, I'm an easygoing Myers-Briggs. I kind of like that. <laughs> I want to keep it honest, so I'm going to take the test. I think what I've arrived at in this conversation <laughs> is that I'm going to make three different signs. And... 
when I get a ride from one of these signs, I will share the story of what that is. Okay. To be continued. Space Court. Space Court.